All right, so we are doing now Friday's portion of Parshas Mitzorah. And as we already began learning yesterday, this section of Parshas Mitzorah deals with men and women that have minor and major spiritual impurities. Yesterday, we spoke at length about the very major impurity of a man called a Zav. And today, we begin with a very few verses on the much more minor uh, version of a man's impurity in this area called Shichvah Zera, if a man has an emission of semen. We're going to have a few verses on that, and then we're going to discuss a woman's minor version of impurity in this arena, which is called a Nida, a woman who's a menstruant, a woman who is having the flow of blood of her period, or within seven days from the beginning of the flow of blood. So, verse 16 of chapter 15. A man from whom there is an emission of semen shall immerse his entire flesh in the water and remain impure until evening. Any garment or anything of leather upon which there shall be semen shall be immersed in the water and remain impure until evening. A woman with whom a man will have intimate relations, they shall immerse in the water and they shall remain impure until evening. And Rashi questions why is the woman impure? There's no touching here. She's not touching the semen. This is only a touch on the inside of her body. That shouldn't make one impure. And Rashi says, it's God's will. It's not something that we rationally understand within the rules as we understand them. But this is the will of God. Starting with verse 19, we're going to be discussing a woman with, again, the more minor spiritual impurity being in the state of her period. When a woman has a discharge, her discharge from her flesh being blood, that obviously wasn't the discharge of the man, she shall be in her state of separation for a seven-day period, and anyone who touches her shall remain impure until the evening. So the question is, and we actually had a similar question yesterday in terms of the Zav, blood from where? Anywhere? You're bleeding on your elbow, you're bleeding on your knee, any blood makes you impure? So our students actually learned this out, not from our verse here, but later, in chapter 20, verse 18, when it discusses someone who has relations with a woman who's impure due to her menstruation. And there, the verse says, as Rashi quotes here, and she's revealed the source of her blood. Ah, so I say, we're not talking about if you're bleeding on your toe. We're talking about bleeding from the source, the source meaning uterine blood, blood that comes from the uterus. So that's the punishment of a woman in that state with that blood flowing. So from this we derive that the blood we're discussing the blood that makes a woman having this minor spiritual impurity of what's called in Hebrew anida, a woman during the time of her menstruation, blood from the uterus. It says her discharge from her flesh being blood. And Rashi clarifies when we're talking about blood, 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 blood connotes redness. According to law, there's five different colors of blood that would make a woman impure. They're all considered varying shades of red. So it's a very major difference between a man and a woman in this area. As our sages say, the man's is white and the woman's is red. Because the man, either his semen or this other flow, both are shades of white. And the woman, either anida from her menstruation cycle or this spiritual impurity, similar to it but on a different day in the calendar, they're both blood, shades of red. She's in, the verse said she's in a state of separation. Now, this is 
Benidasa. This is the term we use for a woman in the state. She is called in Hebrew a nida. Nida means like barred, banished, separated. Because, of course, on the most practical level, she's barred from touching her husband and not applicable today, but will be applicable very soon with a complete revelation of Mashiach and was applicable in the times of the temple, that her contact with others was limited because since she was in a state of impurity, she could transmit the impurity to others as we're going to discuss now in the next verses. And that's why she's separated because she doesn't want to transmit this impurity to others. The verse says, it's an interesting phraseology, she shall be in her state of separation. It doesn't say she will have an impurity by her state of separation for a seven-day period. She shall be in a state of separation implies that she's in a state of separation, irrelevant to what's happening to her body, which means, practically speaking, that when she sees this blood, she starts counting seven days. She saw the blood once, okay, she counts seven days. She sees the blood continually for seven days. She's still counting the same seven days. So one does not need to see blood for the duration of seven days. It's a halachic legal concept of seven days of impurity from seeing the blood. Now, of course, if she sees the blood longer than seven days, the impurity continues until she ceases to see the blood. But we're talking here the basic parameters is a seven-day period. Anything upon which she may recline during her state of separation shall become impure. Anything upon which she sits shall become impure. Meaning she's transferring her impurity to things she lies on and sits in, similar to what we discussed about the man yesterday. Therefore, anyone who touches her bedding shall immerse his garments, and immerse himself in water, and remains impure until evening. So there's three consequences. If the, another person is going to touch the bedding that this woman was lying on, it doesn't mean she's lying on it at the moment, because we said once she's lying on it, she gifts it with her impurity. Obviously not as impure, but still enough impurity that if someone else then is touching it, you have three consequences. He has to wash his clothing, he has to himself immerse in a mikvah, in a ritual pool of water, and he has to be impure until evening. And similarly, anyone who touches any utensils upon which she will sit a chair shall immerse his garments and immerse himself in the water, and he remains impure until evening. Again, same three consequences. It doesn't mean she's sitting on the chair now. She sat on the chair during these seven days. She gave it her impurity. So therefore, if somebody else sits on that chair, they get that impurity, which, which has these three consequences, washing the garments, immersion of self, and impure until evening. It's hard for us to envision this, like, what? You can't sit, you can't lie anywhere. But if you would just envision if someone had, I don't know, COVID, (laughs) some contagious disease, maybe for a long time, then they have their cup and they have their plate and they have their chair and and, uh, they have their space. And even though this house with lots of other chairs and plates and cups, but they have theirs because we don't want this to pass on to someone else. So we're talking about a physical uh, issue. Here, again, in the times of the temple, this was real. This state of impurity and impurity was very real, had very practical consequences. And therefore, yeah, you're contagious. You have your own chair, you have your own cup, you have your own plate. We don't touch it. Not for this seven-day period. Now, in verse 23, we say something that seems very similar to what we just said. 
besides, if someone is on the bedding or on the utensil upon which he is sitting, when he touches it, he will become impure until evening. We're like, wait a minute. We just said that in verse 21 and 22. 21, we spoke about the bedding. And 22, we spoke about the utensil, the sitting utensil. And now in 23, we speak about, again, the bedding or the utensil that's sitting. So, but we must be saying something different because, first of all, the verse won't repeat itself. And second of all, we actually see a different consequence. In 21 and 22, not only was the person impure to leave it and needed the immersion, but also his clothing were impure. His clothing had to be washed. But here, he is impure until evening, but we don't see these other consequences. So what's going on? So Rashi explains that this verse is talking about situations not in 21 and 22. Obviously, lighter the 21 and 22 require this immersion of garments, which 23 does not. So what we're talking about here is not someone who actually touches the bedding and the seat, which would require an immersion for himself and his garments, but if he's on the bedding, like if he sat down on the bedding without touching it. Well, you didn't touch it, so you're not as affected, but you're on it, so you are somewhat affected, and that's why if you're on the bedding, you're still going to be impure, but your clothing do not require this washing. And similarly, or not exactly the same, but similarly, on the seat, the utensil which she's sitting, Rashi says, means a very specific type of seat, which is riding equipment. So that we view as less intensely affected as a regular chair. And that way, if you sat in a regular chair that she sat on, you'd really absorb her impurity that was really absorbed by the chair, and that's why you need to be impure, and the clothing's impure, and immersion of self, and immersion of clothing, and waiting till evening. And in this situation, you have much less of an impact because the riding equipment absorbed less. Um, Verse 24. If a man lies with her, and her state of saturation will be upon him, and he will be impure for a seven-day period. Any bedding upon which he may recline shall become impure. So if a man has relations with her, he's absorbed. He's not just affected by her impurity that he's going to be impure that day, or even he's going to be impure that day, and also his clothing are impure. No. It says he now has become a source of impurity. He now has this seven-day impurity, like she does, and he gives others things and people impurity the same way she does. So there's a very big question here. What does that mean? Does it mean that he joins her impurity, which means his count is like hers, or he now has his own new seven-day count? Meaning if a man had relationships with a woman um, on the fifth day of her impurity, is he impure for the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh? Or he's now starting a seven-day cycle? So Rashi says, no, he is starting his own seven-day cycle, and that is why the verse adds, he will be impure for a seven-day period. Not just his, the initial verse, her state of separation will be upon him, which would imply that he joined her count, but he will be impure for a seven-day period. He now has his own seven days. Okay, well, then why, if that's what it means to say, does it say the first phrase? Now I understand the need for the second phrase. He will be impure for seven period. So what do I need the first phrase for? Her state of separation will be upon him. To imply that his laws are going to be exactly like hers to transmit impurity. The same way she transmits impurity to people and objects, 
In other words, it's not just, well, it's second degree. She's first degree impurity, so I'm now second degree impurity. That's how normally it is. If you get affected by someone else's impure, you're not as impure. You're a second degree impurity. No, her impurity is on him. He has now absorbed her status literally. So the exact same way she transmits impurity to others, he is going to transmit impurity to others. And for how long? Just like her, for his own unique count of seven days.